This is a Courageous Church podcast, equipping and empowering you to live a courageous life. Join us now as we listen to a message from Courageous Church in Salt Lake City, Utah. Tonight we're leaning into what I'm going to call practicing Sabbath delight. Say it with me. Practicing All right, that was pretty good. I know it's five o'clock. I get it. We've been looking at this verse as a template for our time together. It's 3 John chapter 1, verse 2, and here's what it says. Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. How many of you guys know that the Lord wants things to go well with your soul? He is committed to seeing this happen in your life, but... It's conditional, meaning that you and I have a part to play. And we've been talking about this over the last couple weeks. We've been talking about what you and I can do to care for our soul. And last week, you can go back to the previous slide, we looked at developing a rule of life. How many of you guys have taken time to do this yet, to sit down and fill this out? If you weren't here, let me bring you up to speed. We've been talking about four primary categories of our life that God wants us to learn how to embrace. Prayer, rest, relationships, and work. And if you notice, right in the center of it all is God's love. Because God's love has to be at the center of your life. It has to touch everything you do. And so God wants you to develop this as a way of looking at, how am I praying? How am I spending time in prayer? What's the rhythm of that look like for me? Do I get up in the morning? Do I do it at night? Do I do it in the car? I love to pray in the car. That's my favorite place to pray when I'm driving around the city and I'm just looking out and God's showing me things for people. He's showing me your faces and your families and I'm just praying and going for it and declaring things prophetically over this valley. It's an awesome thing to do. What about rest? How are you resting? Some of you are like, I don't rest. I just pass out. (laughs) I just work and then I pass out, right? I go to sleep on the couch thinking I'm going to watch, finish that show on Netflix and I pass out. But rest is is really important, and we're going to be talking about this tonight. Of course, relationships. How are your relationships? Do you make time for people that feed into your life? Don't just take. That's important, to have good friends and people that can be speaking into your life. I have multiple mentors and pastors and advisors and counsel that I go to weekly and sometimes even daily to share what's going on in my heart and my life, and then they can bring wisdom into my life. They can speak into areas of my soul. And then, of course, work. And we tend to focus a whole lot on that part, right? Because we got bills to pay. But God wants us to understand a healthy balance of all these areas. And here's the thing. You'll never have perfect balance, right? You you may lean more in one direction in one season. You may lean more into another in in another season. Like there might be seasons where you just kind of have to work really hard and just kind of drill down and that's where you're at and that's okay. God will give you grace for that. But there might be seasons where you need to really step up your prayer or really lean into healthier relationships because these things will help you and developing a rule of life is a good way of providing structure for your relationship with Jesus. Remember, this is not about legalism, guys. This isn't about rules. This is about finding a good structure that you can lean into that will help you grow. The truth is this. We rarely grow unless we're intentional about it. Meaning things in our lives rarely materialize unless we're actually leaning in, unless we're actually listening, unless we're actually resting and praying and and doing what God wants us to do. So let this be a really good template that you can go back to. And there might be things that God wants you to add to the list, and then there might be things that God wants you to take away. There might be seasons or moments where you need to maybe reduce a few things. Like some of you might be working too much. I remember 
when I was in college, oh so long ago, I was working three jobs, okay? I'm gonna be real transparent and tell you where I worked, okay? I worked at a restaurant, and I worked at The Gap, and I worked for a sports photographer, and I was going to school and taking 18 credits. So I was doing too much. And when you're young, you think you can, so you do, right? You just go for it. But then God began to speak to me, and he said, Jason, you're working so much. Where do I fit into your rest? Where do I fit into your prayer? Where do I fit into your relationships? And then, of course, you know, you get married, and then all of your focus is on her, and all of her focus is on you. So these things are meant to ebb and flow throughout your life. That's what I'm trying to say. So lean in. So there might be things God wants you to take away from work. There might be things God wants you to add to rest. Maybe you're not resting enough. I'll tell you this. I love to nap. Naps are really important to me. The greatest thinkers in the world, Edison and Einstein, these guys were notorious nappers. They love to nap. So I am pro-napping, okay? So if I call you or text you and you're in the middle of the nap, it's okay to ignore that call. And if I ignore yours, you'll know I might be napping as well. So just lean into this, guys, and let it be something that's God-breathed, meaning let the Holy Spirit help you craft this. Don't just go big and huge, and then, of course, you won't be able to meet any of the goals. Start small and let God speak into it. Let God breathe over it. I'll tell you what, this looks different for me now at 39 than it did for me at 29. And it'll look different for me when I'm 49. And it might look different for you when you're 69 or 79, okay? So this is always evolving, always changing, ebbing and flowing with what Holy Spirit is saying, okay? So make sure that you keep that right at the center of everything you're doing. This series we've been in, it is well. And and tonight we're going to talk about what it looks like to really lean into rest. And I want to talk to you about the word Sabbath and about practicing Sabbath delight. That's the name of my message for those of you that are taking notes. Jesus said this about Sabbath and about rest in Mark chapter 2, verse 27. He said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Now, why is this important, Pastor Jason? I'm glad you asked, class. Thank you. This is important because if we get it backwards, we're going to misinterpret and we're going to not receive this as the gift it was intended to be for us. Jesus knew that we have a propensity or perhaps a proclivity to get this screwed up. Meaning that we work, 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 and then Sabbath. Or we view this as something that we have to do as an obligation. But it's neither of those things. It's a gift. Sabbath was made for man, meaning it's meant to serve you. And tonight God wants you to examine your Sabbath practices so that you can better understand how he wants this gift to operate in your life. How he wants it to serve you. The first thing I want us to hear today is this. The Sabbath was always intended to be a gift from God for us. So let's talk about it. What is a Sabbath? To get a better look at this, we have to go to Genesis chapter 2. If you have your Bibles, go there with me. Genesis 2, we're going to begin in verse 1. It says this, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. And he, here it is, go back rested on the seventh day from all of his work that he had done. Now stop, pause, look up. God rested. If God rested, you need to rest. This is hard for us. Some of us don't know how to do this very well because we're so caught up and our identity is so caught up in our work and what we do that we don't know how to be. 
And one of the reasons I feel like the Lord has us in this series and in this moment is because he wants to help us restore the order and the balance of things that he intended for. God rested on the seventh day from his work, which means that you and I need to rest. We need to build this into our lives. Next slide. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. I emphasize these words. I boldened them because these are really important. So swipe those in your phone or write those down, underline them. Because on them, God rested and he repeats the motif. He rested from his work that he had done in creation. The Sabbath or the seventh day, as it's referred to here, is a holy day made by God to be holy, meaning he separated it. He made it special. He made it unique because on this day, he himself, as the God of all the cosmos and the universe, rested. He ceased from his work and his activity that he was doing. When it says God rested, it means he did nothing. And that's the word really that we see in the Hebrew. It's the word Shabbat. It's the word we get Sabbath from. It means to rest, to literally cease and desist from your work. How many of you guys are really good at that. How many of you guys are kind of poor at that? Some of you. How many of you guys are like, I'm kind of somewhere in between? Yeah, the rest of you. When God rested, he ceased from all of his activity that he was doing in creation. Now, I have to imagine that creation didn't just include planet Earth. I have to imagine that it might have included more that we see throughout the galaxies and the universe. So we're talking a lot of intricate work here. So if you think your job is demanding, <laughs> consider God's. All right, I don't, know, I don't know about you guys, and some of you are like, well, no, Pastor Jason, I will tell you, okay? I know exactly how the earth is tilted on its axis because I studied this in school. But when I look at the world and I look at the cosmos and I look at and consider the law of gravity, I think about all the intricacies of the way God designed the world. It's amazing. The different layers within the earth and the sub-layers and the ocean and the temperature of how the core of the world works. I mean, all those things are amazingly specific. In fact, incredibly specific, which is why I believe there's an intelligent creator behind all of creation because of how specific it is. And when I think about that, and I think about that God did this in six days. Now, whether it was six literal days or six figurative days, I don't really think it matters. I think the point is, is that God did it all according to his timetable in his way. And then when he was done, he rested and he said, it was very good. Not, yeah, I did a pretty good job. No, it was very, very good. The Sabbath is not just a pause to do nothing. It's a pause to reflect on what is good. This is really important for us, and I don't want us to miss this point. It's an opportunity that God gives you throughout your week to pause and consider all the good things of God in your life. When was the last time you did this? Thanksgiving? When you looked at all the good things of God in your life and you said, you know what? I've got a lot to be thankful for. I've got a lot to be grateful for. You know, just the other day I was driving down the road as I typically do in my truck and I just started to consider all the good things of God, all of his precious gifts. I, began to, I started with my family, started with my wife and my kids and I just began to thank him. God, thank you for these gifts. God, thank you for this opportunity to be in this beautiful place called Utah, to live in this valley at this time and season. I wouldn't have wanted to be here in 1850. 
<laughs> Some of you may have, but not I. This California kid would not have enjoyed being here in 1850, let me tell you. I'm thankful for Wi-Fi. I'm thankful for all of the comforts that we take for granted. But when we begin to consider the good things, we're Sabbathing. We're doing what God did. God looked back on his creation. He said, that was good. And that is good. And that's the invitation for us. So right at the start, I want this to be impressed in your heart that Sabbath isn't just a time to do nothing. It's not just a day off. No, it's an intentional day to stop and pause and reflect and think about what is good in your life. I imagine if we did this, we'd realize there's a whole lot more things on that list than we realize. So the truth is this. We need to be reminded of this practice. The Sabbath recognizes creation and our work within it as good. And we need to remember this. This is why God says in Exodus chapter 20, verse 8, remember the Sabbath day. Remember, remember, like take time to be intentional about thinking about this day. And remember to keep it holy because six days you labor and then do all of your work. But on the seventh day, that's the Sabbath and that is holy unto the Lord. That's God's day. And on it, you shall not do any work. You, your son, your daughter, your servants, your livestock, or the sojourner or immigrant, we would say today, who is within your gates. This is cool. God has an idea of how he wants us to work for every part of our life. And he says to keep it holy. What does it mean to keep something holy? To use an analogy that I typically like to use, I think about my chinaware that my wife and I were gifted when we first got married. My aunt went out and bought us all this expensive china, right? You, you, you fill out your wedding registry and you put on there stuff that you just think no one's going to buy, stuff that costs thousands of dollars, and then someone does it and you're like, whoa, that's amazing. For you single ones, do this, please. Put on the things that you don't think you'll ever get a chance to get. Someone's going to do it for you. And I had this rich aunt who was amazing. She was a multimillionaire and she bought us all of this fine china. It was incredible. Now, I don't use that stuff every day. I don't cook mac and cheese and hot dogs on my china. My wife would kill me if I tried. Why? Because it's holy. It's sanctified dishware. It's dishware that's been set apart for a specific, unique, holy purpose and I only bring it out for special occasions because it's holy, it's sanctified, it's special, it's unique. Are you guys tracking with me? Well, in the same way that something is holy or is to be kept as holy, that's what we're talking about here with the Sabbath. It's keeping the Sabbath distinct from everything else in your life because it's holy unto God and it's meant to be special and highly valuable to you. It's God's special, holy, beautiful, unique gift that he wants us to value. This is one of the reasons why we need to rediscover the power of Sabbath and reclaim our Sabbath. It's because God created it for us. And I don't think we practice this reality as much as we should, but we need to. So today I want to learn how we can do this. I'm going to look at a couple practical ways that we can Sabbath. The first thing I want to say is that practicing Sabbath is all about rhythm. You guys heard us up here tonight, and you see me strumming my guitar, and there's rhythm, right? There's flow. There's cadence. 
And all of those things are just as important as pitch and tone and, and the way that we sing the song, right? If I sing the song right, but I'm out of rhythm, it's not going to sound so good. Some of you guys know what I'm talking about. You've seen American Idol or The Voice. And it don't work out so well when people get out of sync, out of rhythm. In the same way, Sabbath has a rhythm. It has a flow. It has cadence. It has movement to it. And we see this in, in creation. God has already done this. He's already built this into creation. Every day has light and dark, sunrise and sunset. It has tides coming in and tides going out. There's rhythm to all of it. And rhythm is important because rhythm is, is what our lives are synced to. It's what you and I are synced to. The question we have to wrestle with is, are we synced to the world's rhythm? Are we synced to what I like to call secular rhythms? Or are we synced to sacred rhythms? Well, what's the difference, Pastor Jason? I'm going to tell you. A secular rhythm goes like this. Work, 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 Sabbath. Work, 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 Sabbath. I do everything I can for as long as I can to save up enough so that at the end of my year or at the end of five years, I could take a final vacation or a break or a pause from it all. That's typically what we do as Americans. We work, 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 and then take a break. We work, 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 and take a break. But here's the sacred rhythm that God has already built us, hardwired us for. Are you ready for it? Sabbath, work. Sabbath, work. Sabbath, work. Sabbath, work. Do you see the difference between the two? One's focused on trying to accumulate and do as much as you can so that then you can rest. The other is rest conscious and rest focused throughout each and every day. It's leaning into the rhythm of not just being labor intensive where all you're focused on is accumulation and more and more and more and more and more or catch up, catch up, catch up, catch up, catch up, but you're focused on resting and enjoying working, resting, enjoying working, right? Do you see the difference? It's, it's actually baked into the, every week when we do this. And this is why we need to allow God to recalibrate our souls here, particularly in the West, to get back into sync, to get back into the rhythm of God's creation in the way that he wants us to work. When Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, they got out of sync. They fell out of sync with the way that God hardwired them. And what does it say? God says, well, now you're going to have to work and toil the ground. And it's going to be hard for you. It's going to be tough. See, because there was already, there was already a, a way that God created for Adam, for Eve, to walk in, right? It, it wasn't that they did no work. A lot of times people think, oh, if, we, if they hadn't sinned, we wouldn't be working. No, no, no. God created them to work. He created them to take care of the garden, to name the animals, to take care of creation, to steward that and have dominion over it. Work was always supposed to be a good thing. It's not a bad thing. It's a bad thing when it's out of sync with the way God created it for us. And so we see that immediately. Adam sins. He, he's expelled from the garden, that, that beautiful place of synchronicity where he's walking with God in the cool of the day and he's experiencing the presence of God and things are fruitful and wonderful and he's, he's taking care of it. He's naming things. He's, he's being involved in stewarding this wonderful creation to now being out having to, to gather 
and having to hunt and having to find and work. And, right? So he's, he goes from a place of being in the presence of God to a place of toiling. And Sabbath is our invitation back into a place of enjoying and experiencing the fullness of God's presence. And we can do this not just once a week. We can do this every day. I gave you guys a little template for that last week. Divert daily, withdraw weekly, abandon annually. Divert daily means there's a moment in your day where you take time to just spend your moment in that presence of God. Weekly is kind of what we're talking about tonight, right? That, that Sabbath, that seventh day, learning how to practice that. And then, of course, annually as well. The truth is this, we need to practice God's rhythm of Sabbath delight. Why is practice important? Well, like anything you guys do, practice is important. I remember being a kid, being on a little league team, and we would practice every night. I played outfield. I was center field. And I had to practice my position. Or maybe you are learning to play a musical instrument or have. You, you've got to practice, right? You have to apply. And what are you doing when you're practicing? You're getting into the rhythm, as an outfielder, you're learning how to catch that ball when it comes your way. As a piano player, you're learning how to read the music before you and play in sync with the right notes at the right moments, right? You're getting into the sync of things. So we have to embrace this as part of our weekly and daily rhythms. Now, in his work, Emotionally Healthy Leader, which I recommend all of you buy and read because it will blow your mind, Author Pete Scazzaro identifies four foundational characteristics that I want to spend the rest of our time talking about, and here they are. Okay, these are foundational characteristics that will help you learn how to practice Sabbath. Are you with me? Okay, here they are. Stop, rest, delight, and contemplate. Stop, rest, delight, and contemplate. Let's talk about the first one, stop. As we've already mentioned, Sabbath is first and foremost a day when we cease, when we stop all of our work. And this includes paid and unpaid work, <laughs> okay? On the Sabbath, we embrace our limits. You're not Superman, Jason. You can't do it all. God might be saying that to you in this season. You're saying yes to everybody, but you can't do it all. You've got to embrace your limits. When we stop, we embrace our limits and our limitations, when we stop, we step back from the things that we're doing to recognize that God is still in charge. He's still the one ruling the earth without your help. He doesn't need you as much as you think he does. Tomorrow is going to come with or without you. And God is on the throne and he is not moved. Okay? So he doesn't need us as much as we think he does. And stopping reminds our souls of this. It's like, okay, yes, I can stop. I can pause. I can step back. One of the, the best ways to practice this practically is just to turn off stuff in your life. Disconnect from social media. Come on, shove that cell phone into a, a drawer and don't open it up until the next day. Ooh, that's hard. Has anyone ever tried that? Not lately. We're so married to our devices but I remember a day and age, and some of you older season ones will remember a day and age, when we didn't have these things called cell phones. These little, yeah, pagers, beepers, remember those? Those were fun. Oh, I got to call someone back. 
<laughs> Where's a payphone? <laughs> For those of you that weren't around, they used to have these things called payphones. And you take a quarter and you put it in and you could actually make calls to people from random places along the side of the road. So we got to learn how to stop. And whatever that looks like for you, I encourage you to do this. But, but try it, guys. I'm telling you, the reason why it's hard for us is because we're out of sync. Once you get into the rhythm of it, it'll get easier. It'll get easier to disconnect. Maybe you need to turn off the TV, turn off the noise. You know, I don't, I'm not here to tell you what that looks like. Pray about it. God will show you. The second thing we want to talk about is rest. We've kind of already talked about it a little bit. But when we accept God's invitation to rest, we, we accept his invitation to be still and to know that he is God. To know that he's working even when we're not. And this is meant to be such a helpful reminder to us when we're in the midst of conflict, when we're in the midst of a storm. What was Jesus doing in the midst of the storm when he was out with his disciples? He was taking a nap. Which is another reason why we should nap, by the way. So next time you get accused of napping too much, I'm just trying to be like my Messiah. I'm trying to be like Yeshua. Jesus napped, he rested, and he rebuked his disciples. He was almost irritated by their, their, their need to, to be busy, to be worked up into a frenzy about what was going on around them. But isn't that what we do? We get all worked up. We run around. Next time all hell breaks loose in your life, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go home and take a nap. I am serious about this. This is one of the most holy ways to do warfare is to go home and say, I'm going to rest in the arms of my Abba Father. I know it's funny, but I'm telling you, there are some times where the best thing you can do is say, God, I know you got this. I'm going to go take a nap. It's an act of defiance. Because you know what we want to do, guys? You know what we want to do. We want to run around. Ah, what are we going to do? How are we going to do it? What's going to happen? I don't know. Let me stir up the hornet's nest over here. Let me kick over here. Let me freak out. That's what we do. We freak out. And we get all, all anxious and worried. Because we're like, if we can just do stuff... Maybe things will settle down. And you know what God wants us to do? That's the invitation. That's the invitation. That's the most holiest thing you can do. Next time you have hell break loose in your life, just go take a little nap. And practically, guys, rest isn't just about sleep. It could be other activities that replenish you. Maybe it's hiking. Maybe it's taking a walk out in the park. Maybe it's doing an activity that you love to do. Like for me, I love to snowboard. You guys see me sometimes on Mondays. I'll be up on that mountain just being refreshed of God, breathing in the fresh mountain air, getting out of the inversion, the nasty stuff, and just breathing in the good stuff of God and being reminded he's still got the world in his hands. He's still in charge. He's still on the throne. Amen? Amen? The third thing we do is we delight. Now, this requires a little more intentionality than we typically think it does. After resting, after finishing his work in creation, 
God stopped and he said it was very good. And I think in that statement is this, this declaration of delight. Like it's good. And so when preparing for this third step in your Sabbath, ask yourself this, what gives me joy? What gives me delight? What do I love to do? We talked a little bit about this in developing a rule of life, but what is it that brings great joy into your life? Maybe it's cooking. Maybe it's writing. I know for me, it's music. I love to crank music and just delight in the melodies. What do you delight in? Psalm 94 verse 19 says this, In the multitude of my anxieties within me, your comforts delight my soul. What comforts of God delight your soul? Some of you are like, uh, comfort food. Yeah, let's get, let's get some of that good food. That'll, that'll, yeah, some chocolate. Yeah, biscuits and gravy. Oh, mashed potatoes. And, ooh, we're getting hungry now. Better stop. As I mentioned at the start, guys, these are meant to be gifts to you, okay? I know when I used to live in Southern California, I used to love go surfing. And I used to get out in the ocean and in the water. And I'd just look around and I'd see creation. Sometimes dolphins would come up, sometimes sharks. I tried to swim away from those. <laughs> but I used to just delight in creation. And as I did that, God just used to fill me with his presence and with this, uh, this peace and this assurance that he's with me. And sometimes we just need to stop, rest, and delight ourselves in the Lord. And find a place where you can do that. Maybe it's not the mountains. Maybe it's I don't know, somewhere in this valley, maybe it's a, a coffee shop, maybe it's honeysuckle, where you just go and you grab yourself a, a great espresso and you sit down and you just delight yourself in the goodness of coffee. <laughs> Thank you, Lord, for the coffee bean. <laughs> so good, right? So figure out what that looks like for you and go do that, all right? Can I say this? God is absolutely concerned about your joy. God is concerned about your joy. It's actually one of the fruits of the Spirit. Love, what comes after love? Joy. It's the second fruit of the Spirit, if we're ranking them, okay? It's actually one of the fruits of the Spirit, and it's something that he wants you to be strengthened by. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Jesus says this about joy in John chapter 16, verse 24. Until now, you've asked for nothing in my name. So ask, and you will receive, that your joy may be full. Did I read that wrong? Ask, and you will receive, so that your joy may be full. No, do you think that's the way Jesus said it? No way. He said, until now, you haven't been asking for anything in my name. Could you imagine that, hanging out with Jesus and not asking him for, for anything? I'd be like, Jesus, can I get something? <laughs> he says, ask, and you will receive. And here's why. Because I want your joy to be full, guys. I want you to be full of joy. I want life to abound in you. So what are you asking God for in this season of your life? Did you know it's okay to ask for things? Did you know that? We don't serve a religious Jesus. Oh, uh, no, I shall ask for nothing. Just being with you is enough. Come on, guys. He's a good, good father who loves to give good and perfect gifts. The Bible says every good and perfect gift comes down from father above. The, the, the example of Jesus is, is as a loving Savior saying, I want your life to, to abound with joy, to just be so full. And so you got to ask. So what are you asking for? Let's go to that fourth. Let's go back to that last slide. Keep going. Fourth characteristic we're going to talk about is contemplate. 
It's the final one before we close. Contemplating, or we could say pondering, the love of God needs to be the focus of your Sabbath. Okay, so it's not just a day off. It's a moment to draw close to Jesus. That's really what makes the Sabbath holy unto the Lord, right? It's unto the Lord. It's his. It belongs to him. It's his day, right? He created it. Sabbath is the invitation, you can hashtag this, to see the invisible in the visible, to recognize the hidden ways of God and his goodness in our life. Can I say that again? Sabbath is an invitation to see the invisible in the visible, to recognize the hidden ways of God and his goodness at work within our life. Listen to this quote from British poet and priest Gerard Hopkins. He writes this, The whole world is charged with the grandeur of God. Isn't that good? The whole world is charged, is radiating with the grandeur of God. The truth is, and all of Scripture affirms this, the whole earth is full of the glory of God. Everything is full of his glory. Psalm 19.1, the heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. God's glory is everywhere. His glory is everywhere. We just need to learn how to look up and behold it. We're so focused on work sometimes in life and everything that's in front of us that our heads are down and we're just plowing or we're just, we're just striving. And God wants you to look up to smell the roses, to behold all creation and see his glory. It's everywhere. That's what Paul would say in Romans chapter 1. No one has an excuse to not know God because even creation shares his glory. Just speaks of how amazing he is, of all of his wondrous ways, his grandeur, as Gerard Hopkins said. When we contemplate, when we ponder this, this is an extension of delight. It's us being intentional about looking for the evidence of God's love and his glory in all things that he's given us to enjoy. So ultimately to wrap this up, stop, rest, delight, contemplate. This will be another helpful framework that you can use when you Sabbath. And maybe you can only take half a day. That's all right. But build this into your weekly rhythm where you're stopping, where you're resting, where you're delighting, and where you're contemplating. Another word for contemplate, a better word I should have chosen would be reflect. You're reflecting on what is good. You're reflecting on what God's doing. Think of the Sabbath, guys, as a, as a multifaceted diamond. Any of you ladies who are married have a diamond on your ring finger? A few of you? Think of it as like a diamond. A diamond has multiple facets, and when you shine light through it, you're going to get different colors. You're going to, it's going to refract light and send light in different places. So in the same way, Sabbath is like a priceless diamond with many facets, each reflecting God's presence to us in a unique way. Just as facets reflect unique aspects of a diamond, Sabbath becomes this increasingly brilliant gift from God that will show you different things about him the more that you practice it, the more that you do it. And ultimately, guys, Sabbath points us to Jesus. He is the Lord of the Sabbath. Jesus is the one who says, come unto me and I will give you rest. 
Thank you for listening today. If you were blessed and you want to be a part of what God is doing through Courageous Church, including ways that you can give, visit us online at courageouschurch.com.